Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Download episodes of previous shows. Welcome to the podcast. thought owning a vacation home was hard work, from finding guests to just maintaining it. But with Vacasa, they put my vacation home to work for me, caring deeply for my home in every way. Best of all, since switching from my last property manager, Vacasa has been earning us over 20% more. Because it's not just a vacation home, it's a Vacasa home. Get your free vacation income estimate to see how much your vacation home can earn you. Call 470-900-4828 or visit vacasa.com slash free dash estimate. And so, you know, the type of work I do, I know that like bankers, some lawyers and some accountants are going to refer work to me because they're talking with the CEOs of businesses and they're seeing how they're operating. And when the CEO says, gosh, I'm having this challenge, do you know anyone that can help me? Then, you know, they can make that introduction. So it's not just doing good work with the clients who will also refer you, but also growing that referral network of people who know, you know, who know what you do, who understand what you do, which is also hard to define at the beginning. Um, and, and says, you know, gosh, you need to talk to Heidi. You're listening to America's fastest growing podcast on diversified and passive income. This is the Diversified Income Experiment. I'm your host, Keith Leinbach. Hey, we are back, and I am excited to have my pal Heidi Pozo with us. Heidi is uh, a recovering corporate CFO. I say recovering because listen, man, I came from the same program. Anyway, Heidi, say hi to the, say hi to the diversified income nation. Hi, nice to be with you. Yeah. It's really great to have you. So Heidi and I met through um, a group called Heroic Public Speaking, where Michael Port leads this effort to um, help folks just deliver better, better presentations. It's it's more of a performance than it is actual presentation. And um, Heidi and I have probably presented around the world a million times but then when I realized what it really takes to be a good presenter, I was like, holy crap, I'm, I'm way behind, even though I thought I did an okay job. Anyway, Heidi and I met in this. I think she's got a really, really fascinating story. And so I asked her to join us today to talk about her consulting business. Listen, one of the things that, that I hear a lot from folks that, get, that reach out to me is, I don't know how to get started. I don't know how to get started with you know whatever, my car wash or my laundromats or this new business idea I came up with or a consulting business. And I just recently had a good buddy of mine, his name's Jeff. Hey, Jeff, if you're listening, what's up, man? He was telling me that, uh, you know, he's kind of my scenario, recovering corporate guy and decided he was going to start a consulting business. And I hope it's working out well. But when I was talking to Heidi, when, you know, when we were talking about this before, Heidi, we talked about four areas that we thought it made sense to share with folks. And these are the things that people bring back up to me, which are things like, what do you have to have in place before you make the leap to a consulting business, having some startup capital and what that looks like, 
like how like how much and then whether you should do it solo or with some pals or join a firm and then if you do it solo like what's it really going to take man because a lot of people do start this and it doesn't work out and then they're disappointed and so we just want to get in front of all those and that's a lot of me talking on your show Heidi <laughs> it's really your show yeah, yeah so where do you want to start well maybe we just talk a little bit about your background because you've had this firm for what seven years now yeah about seven years Pozo Consulting I think that's that's awesome. And you, you have this, this brand that's called the High Performance Igniter. Correct. So tell us a little bit about where that came from and, and uh, some backstory there. Yeah. I'm really interested in what it takes for people to be at the top of their game, you know, across business and life. So I started thinking about it actually before I went into consulting. Um, I was at a private equity-owned business. Uh, I was brought in to help turn it around. And it really, through that time, uh, solidified a number of areas that I think are important for really making an impact in how a business runs and how people enjoy their work. So that's where that high performance igniter came from. Okay, so that's uh, that's some interesting backstory, and you, I know a lot about this story because we, you know, we we talk about it a lot in our other gatherings. But I think you know when when I talk to my listeners about their experiences, there are a lot of folks that you know, like I mentioned, they they want to move into a consulting career, they want to leverage all of the great stuff they did in a career, and it's okay. So what do I do next? So why don't we cover the first? Why don't we cover the first of these four items? What do you have to have in place before you make the leap? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's something that, you know, including myself, people don't think about in deciding, gosh, I want to go out and I've had a great corporate career. Now I want to do consulting. And, you know, there, there's a couple of things to think about. The first is where your networks actually are. You know, a lot of times people will have a really strong internal network in their company, know a lot of people and have great relationships, but maybe don't have a strong external network, knowing people out in the community who can recommend you for an engagement or um, can sign a check as a buyer at another company. And yeah, so that, that actually sounds like a really big deal. Like if, if you had a big outside network and you told them, hey, I'm going to do some consulting and they all know what you're about. They're like, yeah, we'll, we'll sign you up. What in the world do you do if if you don't have that network? Right. And and so that's actually one of the, the areas I think that is a big one for people failing. Uh, so what you want to do if you don't have that strong external network is either take time to build it up while you continue in your current job or you join a practice instead of going on your own. And I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but really you got to have that external network. Uh, not only for getting business, but also for keeping your ideas fresh and being motivated and, and having a peer group that uh, can support you. So this seems like an area where I, I remember in, in uh, my corporate industry group, there were, you know, big, like big industry associations and they had big industry association meetings periodically. So like that would be a good avenue if you're if you're in a big industry sector where there are those types of groups, you could go get you know, maybe a, a, a speaking gig or join uh, one of the, the, the many various committees that, that those groups are made up of just to start to network a little bit, I guess. Yeah, there's a couple of groups that I belong to. Um, Alan Weiss is kind of the consulting guru. He's written a bunch of books. Alan uh, Weiss. Alan Weiss. Okay. Yeah. And uh, this is a, a group of existing and aspiring 
consultants and folks with consulting firms. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, he's written a book called Getting Started in Consulting. And he has a community that people, you know, ask questions on very basic to very complicated things, but also in non-pandemic times, get together in person. Okay. Um, And there's an offshoot of that called the Society for Advancement of Consulting. And so it's kind of um, an adjacent group. This sounds like some top secret group that meets in the basement somewhere. (laughs) I know. But, you know, both are are good for, uh, you know, the practice of consulting and kind of what you need to think about end to end to being successful. That's not to say that's going to get you your buyers because your buyer groups are going to meet like you were talking about um, in uh, association groups and so forth. Okay. I think that's interesting. So it's just a fair assessment up front. Are you really well known enough that you could reach out to folks and start to generate some business? Because once you pull the ripcord and you're out, then you're out. Like you leave your company. I guess you have to be a little careful in 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 building this network that you're you're like genuinely building the network so that people know who you are that you can reach out to in in your next life, as opposed to a network that says, "Hey, man, I'm, I'm probably going to start a consulting gig in the next eight months," and so you know. It's it's great to meet you <laughs> because eventually that's going to get back to your boss. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and, and the distinction there that, you know, is really important is people who can actually write a check to hire you. So the network needs to have people that can refer you to those buyers or actually be buyers themselves. And, and it's, you know, oftentimes people confuse actual economic buyers with, just people that are really nice and friendly, but can't yeah. check or can't make the recommendation. Folks that are really interested. And then you're like, so who signs this thing? And it's, right. yeah, it isn't going to sign anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's a big problem to be aware of. So uh, let's move on to the second part, because uh, let's say you, you now you've, you, you've got that in place, right? You got your network, you know, who you, who you plan to sell to, and that might be national. It could be global. It could just be like hyper local, right? It, yeah. You build your network anywhere, but now you're going to have to have, you're going to have to have some funds available so that as you go out and search for business and do some marketing, you know, burn up all your dough. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think you and I have talked about this in our other interactions, but, you know, it's important to have this as if you're in a company and, and uh, you're just working a corporate job too. Someone once described it to me as F you money. So you probably need about a year of, you know, whatever your expenditures are for your house, your lifestyle, your living expenses and and so forth. Because, you know, whether you're at a corporation and you get laid off or whether you want to start a consulting career, you need about a year's worth of money to get you through before you- a lot of dough. Yeah, that's a lot of dough. And then you not only need the money you're going to survive on, but you're going to spend money traveling to meet prospects. You're going to spend you know, like all kinds of marketing related stuff, right? How much money do you think you need set aside just for the marketing component of it? So, you know, I would say if you have a strong network, the marketing, you know, isn't as important. I, I think a lot of people will spend a lot of time on a name of a business, but it's really you as a person that is what people are looking at. So your your name is your brand at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, I get a kick out of folks that spend lots and lots of time coming up with the name and then they file the LLC and they're like, hey, I just started a business. And I'm like, no, you didn't. You <laughs> you filed an LLC. Like, oh, I, that took you more than 10 minutes. You, you wasted a bunch. So 
the point of this deal is listen, build, build, make sure you got the network in place for, you know, step number one before you leap. That way you're not spending a whole bunch of, a bunch of time and money on the marketing piece in step two. And you're really just operating off your own survival cash. Yeah, exactly. Because if you have that strong network and you've got people who can refer you in, you know, it's going to take a little while to get off the ground, but you won't burn through a whole lot of cash just for cold calling and, and blind marketing. Okay. Super helpful. So on to point three, I think this is pretty interesting too, because, you know, if, point three is, do you do this solo or do you join a firm? And it sounds like one of the, the you know, the factors you got to consider is how good your network and do you need to join some other firm to, to go build a network. But let's talk about this one a little bit. What made you think of this category? Well, it, a lot of it was um, just the point you made that if you don't have a strong external network, you need somebody who does, who has a recognized brand in the market that you want to serve. So if you want to make a leap from a corporate to consulting right away and you don't have the network, the firm's probably the best way to go. Yeah. Now, it, it seems logical, you know, you and I just sitting here pontificating about it. But how does a firm feel like, okay, so you join, you probably need to be around for a year or two and you're doing it with, you know, really the, you know, the backstory for the going on in your brain is, is, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this to build my network. Cause I'm going to punch out and steal all these clients or go do some additional service on my own where I can build up my own rate and put that in my pocket as opposed to give it to, to the guy that owns this firm. Is there some risk involved? Like how do you manage that in your own head? around, you know, that's why I'm really, that's what I'm really up to. And how long do you think it takes? Yeah, it can take a while. You know, it depends on how outgoing and how much hustle, you know, you have for going out and making those connections more broadly in, you know, in the community or in the the country, if you're trying to go for a larger footprint. There's something else that I think is important too, is what, what are you comfortable with in doing? Because some people like doing the work, but don't like selling it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people like that, right? You're either an operator or a salesperson. Rarely are you both. Right. And it's hard to do both. And, you know, for, for a solo person, you know, there's kind of the, it's not a joke, but something like a joke in the consulting arena that it's boom bust, right? If you're working on a project or an engagement and you're putting all your effort into it, you don't have time to market. Yeah, that's right. So what did you do? So you got this thing started seven years ago and you had a client. How'd you find your next one? So it was a combination of people having heard about me from my time at the, um, at the paper mill and the results there and people in the community. And so that was, that was helpful for me in doing the work I initially started doing project-based work, which gets you into that boom-bust cycle that I was talking about. And then I moved into more advisory work, which is advising CEOs and boards at a higher level. And so you're strategic, so it's less time-intensive, but more impactful because you're talking, you know, strategic, high-impact areas. And that gives you more time to, you know, talk to people through the marketing cycle as well as the execution cycle. So when you're doing stuff like 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 that for for CEOs and for boards, they seem like fairly short-term projects. Right? And all these short-term projects just create a backlog problem. Right? You're done in two weeks or whatever the, the gig is. Maybe maybe they're longer than that. Um, they probably pay okay. But then all of a sudden you're back to, like, I got to go find some more work. Well, yeah, it depends on what you're doing. Because if you're looking at a specific project or 
an area that needs work. Yes, exactly what you're talking about. But if you're if you're talking about being an advisor to the CEO, for example, and you're you're just advising them on whatever their issues are over the the course of time, which will change, then you can get into a relationship that's a longer term relationship where you're working with them on you know, their strategy and vision for the business in a longer term environment. And those relationships can go on for, you know, a long period of time. Yeah, that that's for sure. So probably a really good point. Like if, if you've just got your first five, five clients, you're going to get all sorts of follow-up work from those specific clients as for, as well as referrals from those clients. Like, Hey, you got to go talk to my pal, Keith, cause he's, you know, he's a mess over there. So <laughs> end up with that kind of stuff. And I think that works out good, but it still doesn't get you through that initial knot hole. Like if you really have spent the time to build your, your foundation of a network, right? That's, it seems like what it all comes down to. Now you've got a place to land some business. And as you land more, you're going to keep more. I think of all the consultants that I, I've, I've hired, right? It, you, you, you end up while they're working, like I just hired a marketing consultant to help us with some stuff. And, you know, now he's working on four different other things because, does a good job and a good set of, of, of hands and his team is super reliable. Those are the kinds of things that just continue to roll, but that's where people want to land, right? It's, but you've got this really uncomfortable period up front where you're trying to figure out how to actually go do it. And so how many sleepless nights in the first 18 months are you like, what the hell, what am I doing? <laughs> well, I think those depend on, you know, whether you've got your nest egg in place and whether you really enjoy what you're doing. And so if, if you're kind of chasing money, it's, you know, a lot more sleepless than if you've got that nesting in place and you're enjoying what you're doing. Yeah. But, you know, to, to address the specific question, it's really important to find out who's going to refer work to you. And so, you know, the type of work I do, I know that like bankers, some lawyers and some accountants are going to refer work to me because they're talking with the CEOs of businesses and they're seeing how they're operating. Yeah. And when the CEO says, gosh, I'm having this challenge. Do you know anyone that can help me? Then, you know, they can make that introduction. So it's not just doing good work with the clients who will also refer you, but also growing that referral network of people who know, you know, who know what you do, who understand what you do, which is also hard to define at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and and says, you know, gosh, you need to talk to Heidi. So, you know, those are the home run. Like, you know, thank good. I goodness I created that network because now that guy's calling me because, you know, he knows what I do. But where where do you think, you know, there's a lot of people that, that start down this path and they fail. I guess, you know, going through these four points, they just don't do these four points well, right? You you don't have a network and and you fizzle out or you do crummy work. Of course that, you know, gets you trouble anywhere. Before we go there, like this last category is around, you've decided hey, I'm going to be a solo operator. I've got a good foundation here. I, I know who I'm going to sell to, but that's not the end of the puzzle, right? So so what does it actually take? Yeah. So you've got to understand really the end to end. And I think it's important to find people who have done it before, which is why I mentioned Alan Weiss, because you know, you've got to think about how do you write a contract? How do you market to people? How do you assess fees or do you charge hourly? There's a lot to think about. And, you know, I really recommend reading, getting started and consulting because it's, uh, you know, 
you'll miss things and think about it later. And why not have a guidebook? So is this Alan's book, Getting Started in Consulting? Yeah. Okay. Well, geez, there's the answer key. You should have written that, Heidi. Maybe maybe you write the uh, the sequel to that deal. <laughs> He's been doing it a lot longer than I have, and you know I've learned a ton from him personally. So great guy. I forget. Did you already write a book? I did write a book. Oh my gosh, you got so much stuff going on, man! I can't believe all these people that write books and are busy and crazy successful. How do you all find time? You're killing me. <laughs> You know, it's funny when you set your mind to it, it actually doesn't take that long. But no, I got a, I, I got my contract to write the book. And so they said, you've got six months. And I signed the contract and I went gulp. And then I started working on it. Because <laughs> right now you've got a deadline. Oh, my gosh. It actually, you know, after you go through the process of putting a book proposal together, you've basically outlined the book and written one of the chapters. So okay. yeah. And so you wrote it. You didn't have a, go- a ghostwriter coming in. Jot it all down, man. Good for you. That's a big deal. Yeah, I've had a few authors on over the course of the last couple of months, and I'm shocked every single time by the amount of effort you've got done faster than, I mean, it doesn't surprise me because you're the ultimate overachiever, but like my last guest that was an author, Joe Valley's buddy of mine, he just wrote a book on the exitpreneur, like how to, how to exit your business when you're selling. And man, it took him like 18 months. And it's, you know, parts of it are fairly technical as well, but man, that's a lot of work. I had uh, John Lee Dumas on the show. He just finished his book. It took him a couple of years and he's got content like pouring out of his ears. It's just unbelievable, man. It's so much work. Are you uh, glad you did it? Yeah, I am. I think about what the sequel will be, but I mean, you know, Keith, you've done a whole lot in your career. So, you know, just like anything else, it's deciding to do it. Yeah, I suppose you're probably right. I'm not sure I'd. I'm not sure I'd have an Amazon business again, though. What a pain in the ass that thing is. Can't talk to cuss. I don't know. There's all kinds of things you, you live and learn. But for folks who listen to the show, Heidi, and I, I know you're probably an avid listener, but you may not have been a year ago because I hadn't met you then. We started a trucking business with the with the listeners, and uh, we raised 140000 bucks, and we, we bought a semi and a trailer and uh, got it all certified, got what is called an authority. And the only reason I'm telling you this is because today, literally today, was the first day that we got the truck on the road with a driver and he just picked up the first load, which was a, a giant load of hay. And he's taking it from Colorado to Michigan. So wow. Yeah. I'm stoked about that. Uh, Congrats. I'm, I'm sharing that for the listeners because I, I got to do an episode here on, uh, on the update on the, on the trucking business, but we're super stoked. And that's, um, that was, uh, that does now at this point register as a big accomplishment because it took so long I, in my typical naive way. And I think people do this in the consulting business as well. Like you don't understand all of the things that are really required. And that's why I think having these four steps in here from you and, a, you know, like a, a story about what it really takes. Now, seven years later, you got this, you know, really successful consulting business. But, you know, if you didn't have your nest egg, that first 12 months, probably rocky ride, man. Probably not so fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Take a lot of work. Yeah. Well, awesome. So in our other thing that we're working on, Heidi, you're you're putting together this really interesting story that is a keynote speech for folks that are, are looking for a great keynote. I've heard Heidi's now about 75,000 times and I love it. I totally do. I tell her that all the time. There's no but on the back end of that, Heidi, either. I, I just think it's a great story. The paper mill and the whole, the human dynamic around this thing 
is fascinating. The turnaround, the little town story, the whole thing is just really superb. And for folks that are are looking for a really motivating story as a keynote and a really interesting, rich content story, I would get a hold of Heidi. How do folks get a, get a hold of you, Heidi, to go either start a consulting business or use you as a keynote speaker or just pick your brain on all kinds of brilliant things? Yeah. So just email me. It's Heidi at HeidiPozo.com. And Pozo is just P-O-Z-Z-O. Correct. And Heidi is H-E-I-D-I. You know what? We've got that same E-I thing in the middle of our name. How many people spell your name H-I-E? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm telling you. Everyone spells my name K-I-E. That's why I tell people my name is Harry. You can't, you can't spell Harry wrong. It's just <laughs> crazy. Well, listen, if you're interested in getting a hold of Heidi, go ahead and do it that way. Pozo Consulting, you can find her online. If you're interested in uh, a really great keynote for your business, get a hold of Heidi as well, because I, I promise you her story is really super great. Heidi, super good to have you on the show. Anything else you want to share, the parting wisdom that you can leave with the Diversified Income Nation? Gosh, uh I think we covered it all, you know, just do the homework and think about what you're excited about and get it all in place before you launch. I like it. So that's, uh, that's great to hear. Remember you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And today you're spending it with Keith and Heidi, and I hope it lifted you up. Heidi, thanks for being on the show. Thanks Keith. Of course. God bless y'all. The holidays are coming. The holidays are coming. It's all good. The Georgia Hemp Company, with locations in Woodstock, Decatur, and Sandy Springs, has a full line of your favorite CBD and hemp products to keep you cool and calm. Like lotions, oils, and beverages. They also have a full line of CBD for your pets. The Georgia Hemp Company offers full consultations, samples, and Georgia's finest CBD. Visit their three Atlanta locations in Woodstock, Decatur, and Sandy Springs. Or check out thegeorgiahempcompany.com. Georgia's finest CBD. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes. Michael Myers has haunted this town. He is the essence of evil, and evil dies tonight. Halloween Kills, rated R, under 17, not admit without parent, in theaters and streaming only on Peacock now. Cześć, nazywam się Michał Rokosz, jestem partnerem w funduszu Innova Venture Partners. Nasz fundusz inwestuje w najlepszych i najambitniejszych przedsiębiorców z Europy Środkowo-Wschodniej. Jednym z takich przedsiębiorców jest Tytus Gołas, który zbudował firmę Tidio i nowo jest inwestorem w Tidio od dwóch lat. I Tytus opowie nam o tym, jak do tej pory budował firmę, co planuje dalej i co było kluczowe, żeby odnieść sukces, jaki do dzisiaj ta spółka odniosła.
Cześć Tytus. Cześć Michał, cześć. Na początek jakbyś mógł przybliżyć, czym jest Tidio jako firma, jako produkt i co do tej pory udało Wam się zbudować. Super. Wiesz co, to może Ci odpowiem tak, jak jak opowiadam kandydatom na rozmowach kwalifikacyjnych. Więc my założyliśmy Tidio 7 lat temu. Założyliśmy Tidio, które było początkowo live chatem, który został stworzony de facto w dwa tygodnie. I przez te 7 lat zmieniło się dużo. Z trzyosobowego teamu, obecnie zatrudniam ponad 120 osób, z live chatu staliśmy się tak naprawdę bardziej customer service platform dla małych firm, oferując nie tylko live, ale również chatboty zarządzanie kontaktami, mamy własne narzędzie e-mail marketingu i w tym momencie idziemy bardziej w kierunku takiego customer experience platform, czyli że jeżeli jesteś małym przedsiębiorcą i zaczynasz swoją przygodę w internecie, to będziesz potrzebował dwóch rzeczy. Hosting, czyli Shopify, WordPress lub jakakolwiek inna platforma, na bazie której twoja strona czy twój sklep będzie oparta i właśnie Tidio, żeby, 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 żeby ten ruch obsługiwać, żeby klienci mogli sobie porozmawiać, kiedy wejdą na twoją stronę, żebyś mógł im wysłać następnie mailing, żeby w momencie, kiedy opuszczą koszyk, my się przypominamy. Więc tak, to jest dokładnie to, co robimy. No i wydaje mi się, że dopiero jesteśmy w kilku procentach tej całej, tej całej, tej całej drogi. Live chatów jest na świecie bardzo, bardzo dużo. W Polsce mamy mamy kilka. Jakbyś mógł trochę powiedzieć o skali, jak wy się plasujecie na tym rynku, jak jak dużą firmę poza tymi 120 osobami udało wam się zbudować do dzisiaj? My bardzo, jeżeli chodzi o sam live chat, który jest jakby jednym z kilku produktów, które oferujemy, w tym momencie, w tym momencie to jest około 6, ponad 6% rynku. Jesteśmy de facto zaraz za live chatem, a niektóre statystyki pokazują, że jesteśmy przed live chatem. 6% rynku globalnie. Globalnie, tak, tak, tak. Czyli co co 16 live chat to jest live chat de facto, de facto, de facto Tidio. To jest duża liczba. No i dynamicznie na tym rynku rośniemy, no bo przy ciągu ostatnich, ostatniego kwartału, gdy rynek praktycznie był cały flat, czyli nie, ro, nie rósł, my urosiliśmy o jeden punkt procentowy na bazie, na bazie statystyk wpływa, które są w miarę wiarygodne, więc tak, tak, tak to w tym momencie wygląda. Kiedy numer jeden? O, mam nadzieję, że niedługo. Im szybciej, tym lepiej. A jaki to jest dystans do numeru jeden? Wiesz co, tak, w tym momencie mamy około 300 tysięcy stron, które obsługujemy, a numerem jeden jest ta, w której to jest 700 tysięcy stron. Tylko my za nasz produkt pobieramy pieniądze, ta, w której nie pobiera, więc wiesz, więc musimy, więc to też pokazuje tak naprawdę, jak dynamicznie się rozwijamy i w tym momencie szybciej zgarniamy procent rynku niż oni. Oni urośli bodajże w ciągu ostatnich trzech miesięcy, trzech miesięcy 0,4-0,5%, musiałem dokładnie spojrzeć na liczby, a my pod tym ponad 1,5% 1-1-1-2. Czyli gonicie. Mam nadzieję, że tak. za parę lat nagramy kolejny podcast, jak już będziecie niekwestionowanym numerem 1. I nie tylko w live chatach. Nie tylko w live chatach. I nie tylko w live chatach. Słuchaj, ty jesteś jednym z najlepszych founderów, produktowców, jakich znam. Jakie macie wyzwania w kontekście produktu w tej chwili? Przed sobą? Nie wiem, słyszeć. Wiesz, teraz ten produkt wygląda zupełnie inaczej niż na przykład my, my rozpoczynaliśmy naszą, naszą, naszą współpracę. Trzy lata temu, trzy lata temu to był tak naprawdę jeden zespół produktowy. My głównie właśnie fokusowaliśmy się na live chacie. Był jeszcze moment, w którym pracowaliśmy wtedy, wtedy na, na chatbotach i to był taki, taki produkt, który też dość sporo dość sporo odmienił. W tym momencie e, mamy w planach, że w Tidio będzie ponad 11 zespołów produktowych, czyli w tym momencie jest około 4-5, więc, więc praktycznie chcemy podwoić. Te wyzwania są zupełnie inne, bo co innego jak tworzysz tak naprawdę na, e, jedną kategorię produktu, 
a co innego jak tych kategorii jest kilka i tak naprawdę z każdym musisz konkurować z kimś, to ma stuprocentowy fokus i też jakby wyzwania, wyzwania klienckie są też inne, w sensie ci klienci, których mamy to są często małe firmy, gdzie produkt musi być łatwy, produkt musi być dostępny, produkt musi spełniać, spełniać, spełniać ich wymagania i pracować na dużej skali, co też de facto jest wyzwaniem, bo jak się ma dużą skalę, to zmniejsz jakikolwiek feature i w tym momencie to, 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 to nie afektuje na kilkaset osób, to nie afektuje na kilka tysięcy, tylko to afektuje de facto na kilkaset tysięcy różnych, różnych, różnych użytkowników, więc to jest ciężkie i w tym momencie zarządzanie produktem wygląda zupełnie inaczej, no i wydaje mi się, że też przecieramy szlaki, jeżeli chodzi w ogóle o zarządzanie wieloma produktami w ramach jednej firmy i, i, i w ramach jednego dużego produktu, bo de facto to nie jest tak, że my mamy, wiesz, TDO e-mail marketing pod osobną domeną, TDO chatboty pod osobną domeną, TDO live chat pod jeszcze osobną domeną. Wszystko jest w jednym produkcie i jeżeli przychodzisz po live chat, to musisz mieć odpowiednie doświadczenie, a jeżeli przychodzisz po chatboty, to też musisz mieć odpowiednie doświadczenie. Ty bardzo duży fokus kładziesz na budowę kultury organizacyjnej. U Ciebie ważny jest dział People and Culture. Wśród tych 120 osób, jak duży jest zespół, który odpowiada za ten obszar? W tym momencie będziemy zbierać blisko 10, 10 osób. No i w następnym roku na pewno będziemy jeszcze bardziej skalować, skalować ten zespół. No i to jest taki jeden, bym powiedział, z, jeden z najważniejszych zespołów, bo de facto to jest wiesz, jakby zespół, który jakby zatrudnia, zatrudnia inne zespoły, zespół, który dba o to, jaką kulturę jako firma budujemy, jak ludziom się pracuje. I zespół, który, 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 który ma bardzo duży, duży impact na te, na te, na te sfery, więc tak, to, to, to jest taki no-brainer, że, że, że People Culture był zawsze ważny i jest jednym z najważniejszych zespołów w Tidio. Myślę, że większość ludzi, jak to usłyszy, to będzie przecierało oczy ze zdumienia, że na 120 osób aż 10 to jest ten dział. Mhm. I jak myśmy inwestowali, miałeś jedną osobę tak. w tym zespole. Jakby skąd decyzja o tym, żeby tak duży fokus właśnie na tą funkcję położyć? Mm. Wiesz, ja zawsze się na tym zastanawiałem i jak sobie popatrzysz na różne startupy czy na różne firmy, zawsze to jest problem, często są problemy ludzkie, w sensie nie możesz na przykład uruchomić kolejnego kanału akwizycji, bo nie masz odpowiedniego człowieka, nie możesz uruchomić kolejnej kategorii produktów, bo nie masz odpowiedniego człowieka, więc to jest kluczowe, jeżeli chcesz się rozwijać, to musisz jakby w jak najszybszym tempie zatrudniać jak najlepszych ludzi, tylko oni muszą jakby spełniać pewne, pewne, pewne wymagania i, 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 i muszą, muszą mieć pewne, pewnego rodzaju kompetencje. Tylko problem jest taki, że na rynku tych ludzi jest ultra mało. W sensie to nie są czasy, gdy 20-30 lat temu rynek wyglądał zupełnie inaczej. Ktoś z 10, 20, 30-letnią wiedzą był w jakiejś tam kategorii. Teraz tak naprawdę te kategorie tworzą się jedna po drugiej. Wiesz, pewnie nie wiem, 10 lat temu to byśmy nie gadali o blockchainie, bo blockchain był tak niszową i tak nową technologią, że, 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 że nikt nie przykładał do tego, że taki ogólnopojęty mainstream nie przykładał do tego większej wagi. No więc to jest, to, to, znaczy pozyskiwanie, pozyskiwanie wysoko wykwalifikowanych specjalistów to jest Ciężka, ciężka rzecz. Wydaje mi się, że szczególnie teraz po covid kiedy globalizacja jest tak mocna, jak, jaka nie była tak naprawdę nigdy, nigdy, nigdy wcześniej, że polskie, polskie, polskie firmy technologiczne nigdy tak szybko nie podnosiły wynagrodzeń, e, nigdy tak dużo zagranicznych firm nie, nie rekrutowało ludzi w naszym kraju, e, więc to już nie mówimy tak naprawdę o tym, że my jakby działamy w Szczecinie, Warszawie, w, w Polsce, tylko mówimy o całej, o całej Europie, a zaraz będziemy mówili o całym świecie, a, a to, że nie mówimy 
jeszcze, jeszcze tak mocno o Stanach i chociaż to też się dzieje, to jest na przykład są takie problemy jak strefa czasowa, na co też pewnie, pewnie znajdzie się jakieś rozwiązanie. Mhm. Okej. Okay. Jak dużo czasu ty poświęcasz oprócz tego działu mhm. na właśnie ten aspekt? Wiesz co, tak mi się daje 20, 20, 20, 30% w tygodniu. Okej, okay, czy to jest bardzo duże opcje, Tak, ja liczę rekrutacje, liczę wszystkie rozmowy kulturowe, bo to, to też wiesz, też to jest tak, że, że budowanie kultury to jest taki ciągły proces i my się często zastanawiamy, jakby patrzyć nasze korwaliusy, w jakim kierunku chcemy iść, czy chcemy iść w kierunku takim, czy takim, czy to ma takie znaczenie, czy to nie ma takiego znaczenia. Więc, więc dużo, dużo, dużo czasu poświęcamy na, 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 na podtrzymywanie tej kultury, sprawianie, żeby ona się stawała coraz lepsza, coraz lepsza, rekrutację nowych ludzi i tego trochę jest. Plany rekrutacyjne, to też jest tak naprawdę... Znaczy, ludzie w tym momencie to jest... Jak popatrzysz ogólnie na, na, na naszą strukturę, strukturę, strukturę kosztową, to jakby ludzie w tym momencie to jest, to jest największa, największa, największa wartość, no i na to tak naprawdę trzeba, trzeba poświęcić jak największą ilość czasu. Mhm. Ja pamiętam kiedyś rozmawiałem z Mariuszem Graleskim, który no, jako jedną z pierwszych osób w zespole miał człowieka od, od People and Culture, czyli Ludzka Sumłowskiego. Tak. I sporo ludzi się go pytało, dlaczego tak wcześnie. I Mariusz powiedział takie mądre zdanie, że no mam, miałem kilkuosobową firmę, mam zbudować tysiącosobową firmę, jakby kluczowe jest, żeby ściągać świetnych ludzi, sprawiać, żeby oni byli jak, stawali się jeszcze lepsi tak. i ich utrzymywać i że to jest coś, w co po prostu nie ma lepszej inwestycji niż, niż w tym kierunku mhm. I, i uważam, że super, że wy, że wy w, tym, w tym kierunku jakby idziecie. Natomiast powiem Ci, że kultura, valuesy to jest często taki buzzword, mhm. który ludzie nie do końca wiedzą, co za tym stoi. To co to znaczy te Twoje 20% fokusu ten cały dział People and Culture, mhm. właśnie w jaki sposób pracujecie nad tym, żeby mieć fajną kulturę, tak. żeby mieć dobre valuesy i inne tego typu rzeczy. Poskomentujmy sobie to na przykład. Jeżeli rozmawiamy o samym dziale People and Culture, to tak naprawdę w tym momencie to są... Ja pracuję z Eweliną, która jest świetną specjalistką i, i, i to, co, jak Steady wygląda teraz People and Culture, to też tak szybko rekrutujemy ludzi. To, te wszystkie dobre rzeczy, jakie się dzieją, to jest w 90... 5-99% tak naprawdę jej zasługa. Przepraszam, że ci przerwę. Tak szybko rekrutujemy ludzi, to jakie to jest tempo? Około, około 25-30 osób kwartalnie. Wow, czyli 10 osób co miesiąc no, tak. startuje. Tak, to się wydaje mało, ale wiesz, to, 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 to jest, to inaczej to jest 10 osób, które musisz wdrożyć, 10 osób, 10 osób, które muszą, muszą raportować do liderów, więc musisz tak naprawdę zbudować, zbudować strukturę. 10 osób, które musisz znaleźć i często, i często to jest tak naprawdę walka osoby. To nie jest tak, że mamy, kiedyś tak było, że był na przykład, nie wiem, 50-osobowy lejek, tak książkowo się mówi, 50-osobowy lejek, osób, które aplikowały, powiedzmy, nie wiem, 15 przychodziło na, na pierwszą rozmowę, 5 do zadania testowego, a trzy dostawały oferty i sobie wybierasz, ok, dobra, biorę, zatrudniam jedną, drugą lub trzecią osobę. Teraz to się odwróciło, w sensie to my konkurujemy o, o najlepsze osoby, to my konkurujemy o najlepsze talenty, a nie do końca to jest tak, że, 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 że to oni konkurują, oni konkurują o nas. Okay. I, I to wracając do tak. kultury i valuesów. Tak, tak. My z Eweliną, jak rozmawialiśmy, jak dział ma być skonstruowany i, 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 i za jakie rzeczy de facto chcemy się rozliczać, to w tym momencie są trzy rzeczy. 
czyli to jest tempo rekrutacji, czyli mhm. jak szybko, jak dobrych ludzi zatrudniamy. No i patrzymy na przykład, nie wiem, ile osób u nas przejdzie na przykład okres próbny, ile osób zostanie na przykład z nami po roku, czyli że to nie chodzi o ilość, nie chodzi o to, żeby wiesz, że 30 osób do ciebie aplikuje, 30 osób zatrudnia, to totalnie nie o to chodzi. Chodzi o to, żeby te osoby zakomodowały się w kulturze, żebyśmy byli z nich zadowoleni, żeby oni byli zadowoleni też z nas, bo to też jest ważne i jak nie, tak nie najważniejsze. Druga rzecz jest taka, że chodzi o NPF, czyli Employer Net Promoter Score, czyli to, jak ci ludzie polecają pracę w TDO. Czy poleciłbyś pracę swojemu znajomemu w TDO, czy byś nie polecił pracy? I to systematycznie idzie do góry. Rok temu, rok temu mieliśmy, mieliśmy w Szczecinie zupełnie, zupełnie innej kulturze organizacyjnej. NPS z mniejszą ilością osób, NPS na poziomie pomiędzy 40 a 50 na całą firmę, wiesz, gdy, gdy to były zupełnie, 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 zupełnie inne warunki. Teraz ten NPS przekroczył, przekroczył ponad, ponad 50, waha się tak 53-55 i pomimo tak naprawdę, że bardzo duża ilość osób do nas przychodzi, rozmawialiśmy wiele kejsów ludzkich, wiele kejsów się udało ogarnąć. Kultura jest też zupełnie inna i to, to jest duże osiągnięcie, bo tak naprawdę firmy mam ten problem, że im firma jest większa, ten NPS spada, no bo zmienia się całe środowisko, w sensie już nie pracujesz, już jeden z pole w Szczecinie, się lubicie i wszyscy się znacie jako sekonie od dwóch lat, tylko nagle ci ludzie są po całej Polsce, jak nie już po całej Europie powolutku. I trzecia rzecz, to jest dla mnie najważniejsze jako, jako, jako CEO, 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 TDO, to jest rekrutacja osób na stanowisko VP, i to jest rzecz, i to jest rzecz, która jest chyba najcięższa w tej całej, w tej całej robocie. Bo ona się... To są osoby bezpośrednio raportujące tak, do ciebie. Tak, VPC level chodzi, chodzi o, o, poziom, o poziom osób raportujących bezpośrednio do mnie. I to są dwie, dwie rekrutacje w tym roku. Przykładowo my szukamy na VP of Customer Experience i szukamy osoby jeszcze na VP of Acquisition. I to, jest ekstrem, to są ekstremalnie ciężkie rekrutacje, bo my nie mówimy tak naprawdę o Polsce, gdzie wiadomo, staramy się znaleźć tych kandydatów z Polski, ale firm stosowych jest mało, firm internetowych jest trochę więcej, ale często one nie są oparte na takich samych fundamentach, na których TD jest oparte. Więc jakby ciężko nam znaleźć specjalistów, którzy mogliby nas, by nam powiedzieć, ok, ja zrobiłem tak, 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 wy może zróbcie tak, 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 bo tak wynika z mojego doświadczenia, tylko, tylko a my chcemy takie osoby i, i, i to jest rekrutacja już po całej, po całej Europie, direct search po całej Europie, przykładowo na stanowisko VP of Acquisition, tych prób kontaktu łącznie, jak ostatnio liczyliśmy, to było pomiędzy 600 a 1000, czyli... Do tylu osób się odzywa Tak, się. i nadal nie znaleźliśmy tej osoby. Mam inne stanowisko w VP of Customer Experience, ono idzie o wiele, wiele lepiej, o wiele, wiele szybciej, ale, ale, ale to jest ogólnie ten level, że, że dopiero zamykasz rekrutację po 100, 150 interwiusach. No i to jest, to, to jest tak, tak, tak naprawdę może być. Mhm. Interwiusach, no, myślę, phone screening, pierwsza rozmowa, ten cały... Pamiętam, kiedyś ty miałeś warsztaty rekrutacyjne i powiedzieliśmy takie zdanie, że to był dla ciebie game changer, bo wcześniej nie umieliście rekrutować, a teraz tak. to robicie dobrze. Co to znaczy, że wcześniej nie umieliście rekrutować mm. i co to znaczy, że się rekrutuje dobrze? Tak, tak. Rydelo kiedyś powiedział, że jak nie patrzę na się sprzed roku i, i nie, 
uważasz, że byłeś kompletnym głupcem, to znaczy, że się nic nie nauczyłeś. Ja bym teraz powiedział, że wtedy nie umieliśmy rekrutować i teraz potrafimy rekrutować i pewnie jak za rok mnie zapytasz, to też odpowiem to samo. Ale tak, to był dla nas duży game changer. Wy akurat tam zorganizowaliście warsztaty z ludzkim, za co jestem dozgodnie, dozgodnie wdzięczny. I Lucek tak naprawdę pokazał nam, co, na czym polega prawdziwa rekrutacja. Rekrutacja nie oparta na gut feeling, rekrutacja nie oparta na emocjach, rekrutacja oparta na atrybutach, czyli masz podstawowe atrybuty IPA, czyli intelekt, pasja, ambicja i do tego jeszcze masz 4-5 atrybutów danej osoby, czyli na przykład result-oriented, czy ona jest sfokusowana na rezultatach. Robi na przykład, nie wiem, przykładowo, jak mamy kandydatów na stanowisko akwizycji, no to pytamy, ok, robiłeś tą kampanię marketingową i ktoś nam opowiada, robiłem taką kampanię, to było tak, zorganizowałem tak, zatrudniłem tego, było to, 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 to. No okej, okay, ale jak to się przełożyło na KPI? No to się tak przełożyło. No okej, okay, ale wtedy była pandemia, więc i tak, tak rośliście. To skąd wiesz, że te akcje, które zrobiłeś, się przełożyły? I de facto na takie, na takie pytania bardzo mała ilość kandydatów jest w stanie, jest w stanie przejść dalej. I, 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 I każdy z tych atrybutów to jest książka z kolejną, z kolejną dawką informacji, z kolejną dawką pytań, więc to jest naprawdę duża, duża, duża rzecz i my ciągle zgłębiamy. Każdy z tych atrybutów może być studiowany przez lata i, 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 i każdego możemy się uczyć przez lata. Każdy nowy rekruter, rekruterka, która dołącza do TIDIO też de facto powinna, 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 powinna znać te atrybuty i to się właśnie dzieje, więc to jest zupełnie inny, inny level. Jakbyś miał podpowiedzieć dwie, trzy rzeczy Tytusowi sprzed dwóch lat albo mm. Founderowi, który jest na etapie Tidio dwa lata temu, co, musi, co powinien zmienić w rekrutacji albo na co okay. położyć nazwisko, to co by to było? Myślałem o tym, to jest dobre pytanie. Tak, pierwsza rzecz, rekrutacja zdalna. W sensie, ja już to, że stał się, to, że jakby wydarzył się, wydarzył się COVID, to jest zła rzecz, ale to, że jakby przeszliśmy do pracy zdalnej, to była bardzo dobra rzecz dla kultury organizacyjnej, więc na pewno bym od razu, od razu, od razu uruchomił rekrutację zdalną, bo mhm. to by nam wtedy bardzo dużo rzeczy ułatwiło. To jest jedna rzecz. Druga rzecz, Chyba bym, chyba bym starał się o wiele szybciej, szybciej rozwijać dział, dział People and Culture, w sensie o wiele, wiele, wiele szybciej. I, I wydaje mi się, że my trochę leciliśmy za wolno, w sensie mieliśmy na przykład, nie wiem, jak my rozmawialiśmy na przykład podczas pierwszej, pierwszej rundy, to przecież w planach mieliśmy, nie wiem, 30, 30, 20 rekrutacji kwartalnych, coś takiego, były takie plany. Mhm. I wiesz, a ten raz było 40, a mówiliśmy o 30 osobach i my dowiedzieliśmy na przykład tylko dwie osoby, więc my dopiero doszliśmy do tego poziomu, o którym my rozmawialiśmy dwa lata temu, przy, przy wiesz, przy przypadku, przypadku poprzedniej, poprzedniej rundy, więc... Wspomniałeś o tym, że COVID dla Was był dużym plusem. Jak myśmy inwestowali w mieście tylko biuro w Szczecinie, mhm. jakby co Wam to dało, że, że COVID wymusił tą zmianę? Mhm. Znaczy COVID z definicji nie był niczym dobrym, ale tam w kontekście transformacji, w kontekście transformacji dużo rzeczy przyspieszył i to jest tak, że tak mieliśmy biuro w Szczecinie, bość mocno byliśmy zamknięci na Szczecin, co też właśnie wymieniłem jako, jako to był błąd. Pamiętam, jak sam staram się przekonywać ludzi i nawet mieliśmy taką hipotezę, że Szczecin jest fajną lokalizacją, bo blisko tak. Berlina i można na przykład z Berlina raz na jakiś czas przyjeżdżać. A wy otworzyliście biuro warszawskie, zanim się zaczęła pandemia? Nie, czy w trakcie? w trakcie pandemii. To był ten pomiędzy pierwszą a drugą falą. I zrobiliśmy to głównie dlatego, bo, bo jakby biuro jest u nas jakby takim bardzo ważnym częścią kultury i Warszawa stawała się miejscem, gdzie mieliśmy zaraz po Szczecinie największą ilość osób i te takie experience, które oferujemy kandydatom, to jest właśnie to, że, że i możesz pracować z biura i możesz pracować z domu, ale to ty decydujesz. Są ludzie, którzy nie pojawiają się w biurze przez pół roku 
i to jest ok, jakby, ale jeżeli masz potrzebę chodzenia do biura, na przykład mam taką potrzebę, ja jestem codziennie w biurze, to, 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 to pracuj w taki sposób, jaki chcesz i, i wiesz, i, 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 i tworzenie jakichś takich zasad, takie tworzą firmy, że nie wiem, że mamy biuro, mamy duże biuro, więc pojawiajcie się dwa dni w tygodniu, bo my tak chcemy, jest totalnie bez sensu, więc bardziej biuro nie służy nam do tego, żeby kontrolować tych ludzi, żeby obserwować, czy oni przychodzą do pracy, czy nie przechodzą, tylko po prostu jako, jako, jako element, który pomaga ci być jeszcze bardziej efektywnym, jeszcze bardziej pracować z większą przyjemnością i coś, co pozytywnie wpływa na, na taki biznes na, na ciebie jako specjalisty, menadżera itp. itd. Wrócę do jednego wątku, który poruszyliśmy. Core values. Tak. Jak myśmy inwestowali w mieście waliusy, dzisiaj właśnie tak. prezentować nowe waliusy. W jaki sposób wypracowuje się wartości? Po co są wartości? jak dużo to jest czasu, jakby ja, jak to w ogóle zrobiliście? Bardzo jestem ciekawy. To też jest zasługa Eweliny. Ja brałem udział w procesie, ale sam tego nie ustawiałem, ale mogę powiedzieć, jak to, jak, mhm. jak to obserwowałem z perspektywy, jak ja byłem w tym procesie angażowany. Więc tak, na początku Ewelina zorganizowała spotkanie i z nami, jako z management teamem i z poszczególnymi zespołami. Na, na tej podstawie zdraftowała różne waliusy. Następnie były kolejne spotkania, które, które, które jakby odbijały różne scenariusze z różnymi zespołami. Finalnie usiedliśmy wszyscy i po prostu pogadaliśmy o tym, ok, dobra, to jest na przykład learn and share. Takie zachowania są ok, takie zachowania nie są ok. Co o tym myślimy? I dyskutowaliśmy o każdym zachowaniu. To było kilkugodzinne spotkania, podczas których gadaliśmy o tym, ok, learn and share. Czy to jest ok, że ktoś pojedzie na konferencję i jakby będzie miał coś, co będzie chciał przekazać innym, ale na przykład nie będzie chciał o tym opowiedzieć. No tak jest ok, ale fajnie by było też na przykład, nie wiem, jakby, jakby wrzucić jakąś notatkę, czy na przykład, nie wiem, było daily, tam na przykład powiedział parę słów, więc to są rzeczy, które jakby chcemy, wiesz, chcemy, chcemy promować. No i tak samo było z innymi wartościami, czy bifer, taka nasza korowa, tak naprawdę warto, że jesteśmy w stosunku naszych pracowników, czy focus on impact. To są jakby fundamentalne wartości, które, które mocno nas, mocno nas, mocno nas napędzają. Co do waliusów, mhm. bo ja podobny proces przeprowadzałem ze Stefanem w Buxi i pamiętam, mieliśmy taką rozmowę, gdzie Stefan mówił, że część ludzi, jak ma taką sytuację, która jest w sumie niejednoznaczna, jaka decyzja jest optymalna, to podejmuje decyzje dokładnie takie, jak on by podjął, a część podejmuje absolutnie przeciwstawne. I stwierdziliśmy, że po to są waliusy, że waliusy są takim drogowskazem, które mają powiedzieć, ok, jak masz taką sytuację, która nie jest zero-jedynkowo, tam powiedzmy oczywista, to właśnie możesz spojrzeć na tą ściągę waliusową i zdecydować, w którym kierunku idziesz. Nie? Na przykład no, w Buxi tam była taka wartość Merchant First, jej już teraz nie ma, ale, ale myśmy ją bardzo mocno mieli to było w takim DNA firmy, że fryzjer był w takim centrum i jak były jakieś sytuacje, to zawsze szliśmy na korzyść fryzjera, nawet jeżeli to ekonomicznie nie, nie miało oczywistego sensu dla firmy i wy takie fajne zdanie powiedzieliście, że to nie powinno być tam puste, puste slogany na ścianie. Jak zamierzacie jakby pracować nad tym, żeby te wartości żyły? My zawsze mieliśmy coś takiego, co nazywaliśmy Core Values Competition i to organizowaliśmy przez kilka kwartałów. Teraz będziemy też to wznawiać, kiedy te nowe wartości weszły. I to działo, i ten konkurs miał takie zasadzie, że masz jakby te cztery waliusy, które my mamy i 
opisujesz różne historie, na przykład focus focus on impact, że nasz nasz szef technologii, który też się zajmuje rzeczami cynikowymi, siedział przez trzy miesiące i i pracował nad nowym cynikiem, ale gdy ten cynik wydał, to totalnie zmieniło jakby trajektorię wzrostu w ostatnich, w ostatnich miesiącach. No i to są różne historie, które po prostu każdy, każdy z, z naszych współpracowników może podesłać. No i ta osoba, która, która wygrywa, tam oczywiście są fajne nagrody, ale taką najbardziej symboliczną nagrodą są złote kuboty. I u dwóch naszych pracowników jest stanie zobaczyć takie złote kuboty na, na ten. Ja takich nie mam, ja mam żółte. Może zasłużysz, może spełnisz któreś wartości i dostaniesz kiedyś złote kuboty. Może tak, tak. Ale taki wiesz, pocieszam się tymi żółtymi. Żółte kuboty są super. Jestem zaszczyconym użytkownikiem też tak. kubot, klapek kubota Tidio. Słuchaj, wychodząc trochę z HR-ów, ja zawsze mam coś takiego, że jak się zderzamy, to widzę, że ty masz jakieś nowe narzędzia, nowe produkty, które, no. które niedawno wdrożyłeś. Co ostatnio wdrożyłeś z rozwiązań, frameworków czy produktów, co było dużym impaktem na firmę i co mógłbyś polecić innym startupom? Tak staram się to ograniczyć, bo jak nasz szef finansów do nas dołączy, to właśnie mówi, no, że ja tak lubię, lubię aplikacje, że jakby one dużo mi ułatwiają i przyszedł i przeraził, mówi, że nigdy nie widział tylu aplikacji w jednej firmie, więc ja już to dla mnie to był taki znak, że, że ja trochę przyginam, co nie? Trochę przyginam. Poza tym, im więcej nas jest, to my musimy trochę inne aplikacje wybierać, czyli one muszą mieć jakby spełniać wszystkie standardy bezpieczeństwa. Są rzeczy, na które po prostu już musimy zwracać uwagę, nie możemy korzystać z pierwszej, lepszej aplikacji, tylko ona, tylko te dane naprawdę muszą być bezpieczne, bo to są często dane czy naszych pracowników, czy, czy naszych, naszych klientów. Ale ostatnio mocno się zakochałem w Airtable. To jest fenomenalne narzędzie. Wiele procesów przenieśliśmy na Airtable. To jest narzędzie, które naprawdę, naprawdę jest w stanie dopasować do swoich potrzeb. Wiele narzędzi, które chcieliśmy sami zakodować, czyli na przykład, nie wiem, na przykład narzędzie do, do, do kwalifikacji kwalifikacji rozmów, czyli czego dotyczyła dana rozmowa. Jesteśmy w stanie przenieść na takie narzędzia, na przykład jak, jak Airtable, więc, więc jest bardzo wszechstronne, mocno je polecam. U mnie zawsze jest Excel serce, jestem wiesz, wielkim fanem Excela i nawet notatki mhm. robię w Excelu, to jest już ten poziom, <laughs> ten poziom ten, ale, ale, ale Airtable to jest, to jest coś naprawdę fajnego. Mhm. Mnie ostatnio wspominałeś, że fajnie zacząć sobie radzić z czernym płatnościowym też. Tak, 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 tak. Profitwell. Mhm. Oni mają taki moduł czernowy. To jest w ogóle niesamowite. W sensie, jak wchodzisz na produkt, to, to może nie jest najlepiej wyglądający produkt na świecie, ale jeżeli popatrzysz na tą matmę i to, jak oni, jak, jak, jak analityka działa w tym produkcie, to coś niesamowitego i jak oni odzyskują czer, to oni naprawdę pokazują, jak ten czer odzyskują. Czyli na przykład wyświetlając pytanie o kartę w momencie, kiedy klient chodzi do produktu tłumacząc wiadomości na, 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 na określone języki, wysyłając wiadomości w odpowiedniej strefie czasowej. Tych akcji prewencyjnych czernych jest bardzo dużo i dodam, że to brzmi bardzo błaho i każdy może powiedzieć, ok, ja przecież też takie akcje mogę wdrożyć, więc po co miałbym komukolwiek za to płacić, ale to tak do końca nie jest, no bo, no bo oni naprawdę się nad tym głowią, naprawdę dużo czasu na tym poświęcili i nawet wysyłanie maili jest tak doprowadzone do perfekcji, że, 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 że żeby otworzyć jakby podobne doświadczenia, no byśmy potrzebowali pewnie kilkunastu, kil, może nie kilku, ale kilku, kilku miesięcy minimum, tylko na samych mailach, a tych akcji, które robią jest o wiele, wiele więcej. Bo ty jesteś już jednym z bardziej dojrzałych startupów, pewnie bym powiedział ekstra klasą, jeżeli chodzi o, o polskie podwórko, a nawet nawet myślę, że globalnie. Co byś powiedział, jakie byś dał rady, które warto wziąć dla osób, które są trochę wcześniej i słuchają tej rozmowy? Dobre pytanie. 
Zdecydowanie. Zastanawiałem się nad tym, nad tym, czy przez ostatnie 10 lat, bo tak, no, tak około 10 lat trwa moja przygoda, czy mogłem sobie zrobić lepiej, czy mogłem jakąś rzecz zrobić inaczej. I pewnie tak, pewnie jakbym się cofnął w czasie z obecną wiedzą, to pewnie inaczej by to wyglądało i pewnie do obecnych wzrostów nie doszlibyśmy w 7 lat, czy tam w 8, tylko doszlibyśmy pewnie w 2-3 i zupełnie byśmy to zmienili. Ale spodobało mi się to, co ty mi ostatnio powiedziałeś, że rozmawiałeś z jednym z takich lepszych inwestorów w Stanach no i chciałem zapytać, ej, jak możemy stworzyć jeszcze większy fundusz, jak, jak możemy wejść, wejść jeszcze do kolejnej ligi. On ci powiedział czas, w sensie poznasz ich swaderów, będziesz z nimi miał dobre relacje, oni się poegzitują, ty będziesz miał relacje, będziesz znał ludzi, no i po prostu to samo się ten. I w pewnym momencie zaczniesz być informowany o dealach, których w tym momencie są dla ciebie niedostępne. I to chyba jest tak samo, w sensie wszystko to jest czas, na zasadzie, że, że czas i determinacja, czas i determinacja, e, nauka przy tym, więc, więc myślę, że to jest najlepsza rada. E, ja mam nadal poczucie, wiesz, że, że rok temu, jak ja patrzę na swoje działania, to, to ja przycieram oczy zdumienia. Ja pamiętam, że jak wy w nas zainwestowaliście, to bym w życiu w nas nie zainwestował, w sensie to... to, 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 to no, ja, ja, ja też znam waszą jakby... Mm, w jaki sposób inwestujecie w startupy i to często są, są ludzie i po, po prostu nie patrzycie de facto na to, co jest w tej firmie, bo jak się na to patrzy, no to często nie ma czego, czego, czego zbierać, ale bardziej, bardziej, bardziej patrzycie na funderów i pamiętam, że jak nawet zauważyłeś, że było jedno spotkanie i później było kolejne, to ty po prostu patrzysz na, obserwujesz ludzi i widzisz na przykład, jak ta osoba się nauczyła, jak, jak odbiera feedback, więc bardziej takie, takie, takie bardziej patrzeć, no bardziej po prostu to jest, to jest, to jest, to jest, to jest, to jest skupione na osobach. No i wydaje mi się, że to jest, to jest też, też odpowiedź, co nie? W sensie, że, że po prostu rozwój, 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 rozwój i czas, czas, czas i, i chyba ciężko przyspieszyć pewne rzeczy. Mi się wydaje, że bardzo fajne jest to, co powiedziałeś i rzeczywiście no, u Ciebie to, co sprawiło, że przez rok tam za Tobą biegaliśmy z termsheetami i, i tam Cię... Ja to tego tak nie odebrałem stalkowaliśmy, akurat. to... To wynika z tego, że u Ciebie widać niesamowitą krzywą uczenia się i to, o czym Ty mówisz, że jak Ty widzisz, co robiłeś rok temu, mhm. to po prostu była inna firma, inny zupełnie sposób działania, to to jest chyba najlepszy wyznacznik, że warto sobie czasami zrobić taki snapshot, jak robiłem pewne rzeczy rok temu, jak ta firma mhm. wyglądała i jeżeli po 12 miesiącach nie czujemy, że to jest przepaść, to znaczy, że, Coś... że trzeba wrzucić wyższy bieg i i zacząć rosnąć, bo wiesz, my jak fundusz, jak patrzymy, to nie jest dla nas istotne, czy ty jesteś dzisiaj tutaj, tutaj, czy tutaj, nie? Dla nas jest istotne, czy ty masz taki kąt, czy taki kąt, bo będziemy z tobą tam 7 lat i nieważne jest, z którego poziomu startujesz, nie? Ważne jest, jak szybko szybko będziesz rósł i mamy parę firm, które są trochę później z pierwszego portfela, no to chociażby Stefan Batory w 15 roku to, to, to w ogóle do dzisiejszego Stefana Batorego to nawet nie, nie, nie mógłby stanąć obok. No po prostu przez te 6 lat się mega, mega dużo nauczył. No i ta firma, ta firma bardzo, bardzo urosła. Tytus, sporo super fajnych insightów, także bardzo dzięki za rozmowę. Ja jestem pod mega wrażeniem tego, jak budujecie kulturę organizacyjną firmy i tego fokusu na ludzi. Jestem przekonany, że to w długim okresie się spłaci, że tak powiem. I pytanie, czego Ci można życzyć na przyszłość biznesowo i prywatnie? Biznesowo, prywatnie, wiesz, no... Satysfakcji przede wszystkim, żeby wiesz, to co, to, co robię, wiesz, mnie bawiło i, i, i żeby, no to jest chyba chyba takiej satysfakcji i zadowolenia, ciągłych wzrostów, 
No i, i to są chyba takie najważniejsze, najważniejsze, najważniejsze obszary. Super, to trzymam kciuki, żebyś miał tą satysfakcję. Ja gdzieś tam mam nadzieję, że tam po drodze się pojawi ten jednorożec i dziesięciorożec. No ale ci pamiętaj jeszcze jedno, to... że dodam, że zawsze to taki, tak zawsze to filmowałem, że to będzie unicorn, a tak ostatnio mi się zmieniło, że, że, że no, nawet będzie dekako, nie, nawet będzie to, wiesz, te 100 miliardów, no, to, to nie ma znaczenia. Bardziej chyba chodzi o to, Ile, ile, ile ja się nauczę, ile ludzie, z którymi pracuję, się nauczą, jak będziemy mieli mocny fan z tego, co robimy, bo, bo też jesteśmy taką firmą, która, do której jak dołączasz, to chcemy, żebyś, żebyś, żebyś miał z tego fan. Oczywiście jest ciężka praca, oczywiście są inne rzeczy, ale, ale, ale też, żebyś na koniec dnia mógł powiedzieć, że okej, okay, to była dobra decyzja i tak też o sobie chcemy myśleć, że nie chcemy, wiesz, nie chcemy po pięciu czy po dziesięciu latach usiąść i powiedzieć, nie no, Wiesz, zachorowaliśmy się, wychodziliśmy z biura o godzinach 19-20, nie mieliśmy czasu, poświęciliśmy wszystko i teraz, wiesz, teraz, 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 teraz zmieniamy życie o 180 stopni, bo też takie historie znam. I ja bardziej chciałbym, żeby to był sprint, a, sorry, maraton, a nie sprint. Ray Dalio w książce Principles mówi, że on się fokusuje, żeby mieć meaningful work and meaningful relationships. To dosyć, dosyć blisko. Tak, to chyba nawet lepsze niż satysfakcja. No. Słuchaj, to życzę Ci i satysfakcji, i tego dekakorna po drodze, i tych wartościowych relacji, i wartościowej roboty. I dzięki raz jeszcze za rozmowę. Dzięki, dzięki również. I love your vacation home. How much time do you spend here? As much as we want. And when we're not using it, we rent it out. Our amazing team cares for and markets it on all the major booking sites. What team does all that? Vacasa. They manage everything, and I see it all on my phone. Plus, they've been earning us over 20% more after I switched from my last property manager. Your vacation home earned you that much? It's not a vacation home. It's a Vacasa home. Get your free vacation income estimate to see how much your vacation home can earn you. Call 800-544-0300 or visit vacasa.com. episode please leave us a review on itunes love your vacation home. How much time do you spend here? As much as we want. And when we're not using it, we rent it out. Our amazing team cares for and markets it on all the major booking sites. What team does all that? Vacasa. They manage everything, and I see it all on my phone. Plus, they've been earning us over 20% more after I switched from my last property manager. Your vacation home earned you that much? It's not a vacation home. It's a Vacasa home. Get your free vacation income estimate to see how much your vacation home can earn you. Call 800-544-0300 or visit vacasa.com. This is the FCB Radio Network, home of the best personalities and where real talk lives. Online at fcbradio.com. FCB.
back. It's success when we show up. Levels to this game, we put it down so we can go up. All hustle corner, yeah. You should get to know us. Yeah, yeah. You should get to know us. What's up, everyone? It's Alicia Larray Ellis, and I am your host. Welcome to our Hustle Corner, where hustle meets passion and purpose. The show aims to spotlight minority, black, brown, and youth business owners and entrepreneurs, at the same time highlighting relevant business resources, tools, and practices. We engage in dialogue about challenges, gains, and everything in between as it relates to business. We cover a range of guests from side hustles to sustainable companies, and we are going to talk hustle. It's a dope partnership between Masleray, which is my business, and FCB Radio Network, which I'm going to share more about later on in the episode. You are tuning into our first episode featuring me. The one- I wanted our first episode to be unique, a unique intro to the show and the platforms that are interwoven in connection to it. At the same time, share a little bit about me since we're going to be spending a lot of time together. I want you guys to get to know me a little bit more and the things that I'm involved in and how I arrived at this point. I created this show concept over six months ago, and honestly, I felt that there weren't many places to talk business our way. Entrepreneurship is not all glitz and glamour. It's a 24-hour hustle. Just some background about myself. I am a Cleveland native. I love the city. I'm also multicultural, meaning I have many ethnic and cultural ties. For those that enjoy labels, which I do not, I am Puerto Rican, which is made up of African, Taino, Indian, and Spaniard, all mixed up into that Caribbean flair. And my father's family is Norwegian and Swedish. You might already realize that I strongly dislike labels, but um, I really do not use them to describe myself personally, but I know our society really enjoys them, so I'm going to indulge in that just for context purposes, so bear with me, y'all. I grew up in mainly the inner city and, and mostly in poverty my whole life. I saw my mother struggle as a single mother and her mother struggle as a single mother. We all we call that here generational poverty. I've dedicated myself to break that cycle. I worked to attain my master's in business in 2019 from Cleveland State University, and for those of you that like to do a fact check, I went to John Marshall High School, which is CMSD school here in Cleveland. I worked my butt off to be in this position today, and I would be lying to say if I did it all by myself. Resources, relationships, and specifically my partnership with God has been my foundation, the driving force and the ultimate source that everything comes from for me. I'm not self-made. Um, God clearly has made me, and that is the foundation I live from. God leads me and continues to be the leader in all things that evolves around me. So let's not get that twisted. But back to our hustle corner as we do a deep dive into your host today, Alicia Larray Ellis, um, designed to talk just that hustle. For me, my real hustle started in the sixth grade when I began selling candy out of my book bag. From there, I sold bus tickets in high school, even though we were poor. In the eyes of wealthy people, you can ask my high school friends, Leash always had money. We're not talking a lot of money, maybe $10, $20, $30 in my pocket consistently. I learned how to save money at an early age. Seeing my family struggle always gave me an appreciation of what I did have. At the time, I didn't know it, but my grandfather was a hustler, an entrepreneur. He came from Egypt when he was 16 years old. I remember when I was a child, he would be up every morning at 4 a.m., He'll drink his coffee and watch his news. On Sundays, he'll watch Joe Osteen for gospel. Every day, he worked. He owned multiple businesses in the city of Cleveland from bars, pizzeria, building houses, and car dealerships. One thing fascinated me. He had his own t-shirt that had his business on it. 
he wore it every day proudly. Of course, my grandmother washed it, ironed it, and hung it up for him. And something about that mesmerized me. I loved it. He always had cash, but he would tell me this one thing that always stuck with me. Green money isn't everything. It actually means nothing. It's all about the white paper. I had no idea what he was talking about at the time. And it wasn't until recently where I started understanding what he was referring to. He was referring to the big bag, the contracts, the deeds, the checks, etc. However, he wasn't the greatest businessman. But that story is like another. It's every day that I saw him hustle and get up every morning to fight for what he wanted in life. That gave me a drive of what entrepreneurship means to me today. We never had the opportunity to sit down and talk business or hustle. But I learned from him just by the way he moved. I always was a student like that and an observer. I saw my mom do the same thing a lot growing up. She did a lot of different things from real estate to consignment shops, but nothing really stick. Same with my, father, with my grandfather. He pretty much lost everything. But those lessons for me always stuck. Why didn't it work? Why were we still poor? I didn't understand the hustle and the sustainability of hustle, which brings me to today. It took years for me to actually understand and see, but it was through experience that I arrived at this moment. In 2015, we're going to do a deep dive about my own business ventures. In 2015, my mom started a business. In that venture, it gave me real life experience. In 2016, I became the co-founder of that company. I was able to apply everything that I was learning from business school directly into the business in real life time. At the same time, I got exposed to the power of networking. I navigated the business ecosystem locally, and I took full advantage of everything that I saw. So a lot of the things that you're going to be hearing on the podcast and the episodes to come is really my real life experience. And I really value and and advocate for people to take advantage of these things. So I took full advantage of everything that I saw. I did accelerator entrepreneurship programs, pitch competitions, everything you name it, I was involved in in my early years in entrepreneurship. I found a passion that drove me to be hungry for knowledge and information, something that money can't always buy. Sometimes I think about like that shark the first time he tasted blood and that's all he wanted every day. He haunted it. Same thing that I think about entrepreneurship It's something that I hunt for. It feeds me. It's something that drives me. It's just a passionate energy that electrifies everything within me. The business started growing and I found my own niche in the market. Many people reached out to me wanting to learn about how I was helping grow the company and like what was the strategies I was using at the same time to really take that business to the next level. So they want to help with their ideas and their projects and businesses. In 2017, I launched another business specifically helping others sustain their work. I worked on political campaigns, developed programs, and partnered with community transformation plans. I helped creators think about purpose and and financial freedom. And now I'm an award-winning business leader through that type of work. I've helped secure over $250,000 in funding, and now I love to create spaces for others just like me. Which brings us here to our hustle corner, which I'm super excited about. Again, you are tuning in to our hustle corner where hustle meets passion and purpose. Once I graduated with my MBA in 2019, I felt like I needed to create space and a platform to share. For many of us, for many of us who are first generational students when it relates to college, 
there's a struggle in between how do you get out of those generational curses or boundaries or, or cycles. And for me, education was that bridge. So when I finished my MBA back in 2019, I finally had the capacity to do other things aside from school and work constantly. And I felt like it was time for me to create a platform where I can share some of my experiences and connect with others who have similar experiences, but also others who have their own unique experiences. And for that, writing has become my therapy. I honestly wanted to just write a few blogs and connect with others. So in early 2020, I launched Maslaray. Maslaray means more light, which is now a multimedia platform where we share, connect, and inspire by telling stories, clothing with the purpose, and intentional relationship building. Our goal is simply to produce a pure message for our generation and audience by magnifying more light, more love, and more life, because our world obviously needs more of that. We believe, and I personally believe, by creating spaces for us to unite and amplify our voices, we ultimately unlock our fullest potential, discover our purpose, and strategically build together. And that's what the brand is all about. So for over almost a year and a half, I've been full-blown in Maslaray, a new venture of my own. And it's been one thing after another, opportunity after opportunity. It began with just a few blogs, but everything started to align for me. In the midst of chaos and darkness, from the pandemic to social injustice, I personally needed a space to express and create. I knew if I needed a space, how many others needed one too. So in spring of 2020, I relaunched our hashtag Saturday support in a live show format. The show aims to reposition a limelight on us. You guessed it. The leaders, creators, activists, and many others who are having a positive impact in the world. It's a live interview style conversation featuring movers and shakers where we share our stories, connect with others, and inspire the world. Right now, we have nearly 40 episodes that we have aired um, you can check that out on our website, mystory.com, and also our YouTube channel. I really had a problem with the lack of exposure that we're having around sharing our stories and the work that was having a positive impact in our community. The news outlets were always talking about the negative narrative, the things that were happening and taking place in our neighborhoods. But I knew really great people doing really great things that weren't getting the exposure that they deserved. So like I do quite often, I strategically thought through solutions. The hashtag Saturday Support Show is one of those solutions. Those experiences have led me here through navigating the entrepreneurial ecosystem over the last six to seven years. I've learned a lot. I've had so many conversations and formed amazing relationships. I've taken millions of notes along the way, as we'll talk into later on. I know personally firsthand that it's tough out here for entrepreneurs hustle, business, whatever the category may be, especially in our communities of color and impoverished neighborhoods. Our fight is different. Our hustle is different. And this show is going to do a deep dive into that every week. I knew that I needed to share what I've learned and what I'm learning with others. It's so vitally important that we share our experiences with one another. That's where magic happens in transparency and in vulnerability. Truth is, we're all trying to figure it out. No one has the full blueprint, but together we do. Our Hustle Corner is designed to spotlight minority, black, brown, and youth business owners and entrepreneurs. It's a space where we can be vulnerable about the wins, the losses, and entrepreneurship. Businesses fail, and we know this. But if we open up and share our experiences, I believe less businesses will fail. And I believe we will be more successful. So, there's many resources out here, y'all. We're going to tap into those, and there's plentiful of them. 
Don't, don't allow the false narrative to trick you into thinking that there's not enough for all of us. We all have our own pie. With that being said, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Kick back with some classical. And when you do, make a classic. Start with Eckridge Hardwood Smoked Sausage. Then, just add it to anything. Pasta, mac and cheese, chili, anything. As long as there's Eckridge, you'll get a standing ovation. Eckridge, you do you. Imagine traveling to a city like Los Angeles or New York. Before you even arrive at your Citizen M Hotel, you're able to check in and open a tab on your phone. You walk into a lobby that's kind of like a living room filled with provocative art and cozy seating. Then you head up to your room with this giant bed and window to match as you sip the perfect latte ordered from your Citizen M app. See why Citizen M is a new way to hotel at CitizenM.com. Welcome back to our Hustle Corner, where hustle meets passion and purpose. I'm your host, Alicia Loretta Ellis, and we have a lively episode today. We are doing our deep dive into your host, yours truly, Alicia Loretta Ellis, myself, talking about a little bit about what I have going on and how you can get connected with all the things that I'm connected with. Also, want to make sure that you guys get to know me. I want to be your host of this season of our Hustle Corner, and it's important to know who you labor amongst, I believe. With that being said, this is our second half of the show where we talk about the tips and practices and also the resources that make hustle great. We we're just getting ready to talk about the hustle tips and resources. As I mentioned, I want to talk about the things that I apply every day and some tips and practices for entrepreneurs, hustlers, and businesses to take full advantage of. Many entrepreneurs and creators talk with me about their visions and their ideas. One thing I always go back to is the plan. So here we go. Tip number one. I am your strategy planning queen, they call me. So crown me with that royalty name. I appreciate it. Tip number one. Honey, you need a plan. You may start without a plan, but you can't grow without one. I think it's important to reference your personal life plan, specifically your monthly living budget. Now let's take a moment, y'all, and be truthful and honest. If you don't have a personal budget, then you have no business talking about a business plan or a business strategy. Come on, folks. We definitely need to get our things in order before we can talk business. You have to have those life things in practice. Too many of us try to do things in our hustle that we don't even do in our real lives on a day-to-day basis. So we're going to sit down those folks for a while, put you on the back burner, and talk about what it means to have a plan. You got to sit down, sis, and take two hours and write down the vision. You can buy a notebook or journal for $1 at the dollar store. It's not that expensive and it's not that complicated. For those that do have some type of order in your day-to-day life and are doing a hustle, let's take a minute to talk strategy. We've come way too far to not understand the importance of a plan. These are three tips in a plan that I think is a good starting point. In the plan, here are the three things you have to start with. Why do you have this hustle? Simple question. Number two, what drives this hustle? Number three, how do people value this hustle? Right there is a great starting point for anybody who has a hustle that wants to take it to the next level, whether it's a side hustle or you're growing your own business already. Those are three questions, right? 
Why do you have this hustle? What drives it? And how do people value it? Because at the end of the day, you need customers. And if there's no value in your hustle, if people don't see the importance of it, how are they going to become your customer? Tip number two, look for the free resources and money. I cannot stress this part enough. I've spent the last six and seven years looking through resources, looking through funding, grants, any type of opportunity to help advance my knowledge and the businesses that I've been working with. Okay, let's be real. 90% of us have a library near us and 99% of us have access to Google or the internet. Right there, there's no excuse. And even if there is an excuse, you have me, right? Our Hustle Corner is here to talk about the business resources and the tips to take your hustle to the next level. For those who are in the early stages of hustle, even in the startup mode, or even the idea stage, there are millions of resources that are free out there to help and assist you. you got to tap into those local community colleges and even the small business associations, just to name a few, to understand what those resources are. And we're going to do a deep dive into that in a little bit as well. And then for those of you who have been hustling for a really long time, you know who you are, looking to grow and sustain the stuff that you're already currently doing, I'm going to mention those top-notch resources in just a minute. So that's tip number two. Look for the free resources and money. Tip number three, my third and final tip of the day, we need a support system. We need each other, period. For anyone that may tell you that they've done it by themselves, I'm telling you, they're lying. And if you have your own, I'm a do-it-by-myself mindset, you have it all twisted. Every hustle needs a customer, right? Surround yourself with the people, the doers, and the dreamers. Some say, show me who you hang with and I'll show you where you're going. Yikes, that's dangerous, y'all. But it's deep and it holds true value. As creators and hustlers, we can't be around people who don't want to change, don't want to have purpose, and don't want to grow. This is why the support system is so essential. Not people who are just going to give you a pat on the back and say congratulations, but people who are going to support you and buy your first t-shirt that you sell or purchase that book from you. People who are going to give you positive and critical feedback that you need to continue to grow. We're talking about the mentors. We're talking about the big uncles, but we're also talking about the young folks as well. We need to make sure that people around us have our best interests, but also are going to hold us accountable. And sometimes that A word is the one that makes us cringe the most, accountability. Maybe you don't know where to start. Maybe you don't have anyone positive around you. Well, take your phone off right now and go to my IG. DM me at Alicia L. Ellis and say you have a hustle and you're looking for hustle support. I got you. And if you don't have IG, you can go right now to MossLaray.com and message me there. We're in this together. I love to be able to connect with other people who have a hustle or even want to get into entrepreneurship but don't know how. It's important that we create a village around us. So there you have it. The three big tips of the day. You need a plan. Tap into the free resources and money. And make sure, make sure you cultivate that support system. It's essential and I can't press that enough. Now back to these big, big resources, right? I'm telling you, there's millions and millions of dollars running through each and every major city in in this country. And they're for us, specifically right now for minority communities, black and brown owned um, businesses and in neighborhoods that uh, they need to grow the economy. For those that are in Northeast Ohio, 
my hometown, Cleveland, Ohio, we're going to start at home first and talk about some resources y'all can tap into right away. If you're not familiar with it yet, it is the Ohio Department of Development. This is for MinorityOhio.gov. You can check that out. There's a great opportunity for funding right now. There are microloans at 0% interest. You heard it. Free interest loans, y'all. You have to tap into these resources as a business. The Ohio Micro Enterprise Loan Program. That's the name of the program. Any businesses that are eligible, you have to be certified by the Ohio Department of Development as a minority business enterprise or woman-owned business. And it's really simple to get the certification if you don't have one already. The minimum loan amount that you can get that's free interest is $10,000 up to $45,000 in free interest. Loans must be repaid within five years for it to become working capital, or you can go towards equipment as well. The funds can be used for great things to grow your company or your business or your idea. So make sure you guys tap into it. That's Minority Biz Finance at developmentohio.gov. Tap into the resources, y'all. This is for Ohio minority-owned companies. The second local um, opportunity I want to shout out is the Core City Impact Program through Jumpstart. I personally went through this program back in 2017 as an entrepreneur. Um, I was, about, I think, I was a part of their third cohort. Now they're on cohort number 13 and you can apply. It's for free. It's a 12-week business assistant program designed to provide focused business advising, industry-specific mentoring, and collaborative learning. So if you get into the program, usually they go five to six um, businesses that they bring in. You already get $2,500 towards your business that you work for a plan and then you compete for $10,000. That's right. The Core City Impact Program is an amazing opportunity for you to help grow your business. Now, these are for businesses that's been around maybe for a little bit or that you've been growing. It's a great opportunity. You can work on your your financial projections. It's a pitch competition as well, so you can talk about your story and how you're solving problems with your business. This is an opportunity you don't want to miss. And I can vouch for the significance it had in my life, in my entrepreneurial journey, when I was really early in it you must live or work in the city of cleveland and if you don't you can still tap into jumpstart they have a lot of great advisors over there um, and it's an amazing resource for our city and our region so those are from my ohioans and my clevelanders uh, then we come across another opportunity this is for the um, for nationwide across america for any entrepreneur uh, it's a startup competition so if you have an idea that you want to go ahead and take to market, but you have to sample it out and learn more about it, you can tap into this program. The first application is open until December 12th. That's December 12th of 2021. Um, you guys can learn more about this one at it's the name of this pitch competition is Jacob Startup Competition, JC, JSC 2022. This is a great opportunity to validate um, your your idea. So the Jacob Startup Competition is an international competition for student entrepreneurs for um, from all over the world. So this is for students specifically. So if you're in college, or I'm not sure the eligibility for high school students, it might just be for college students. But this is a great opportunity to network, to test out entrepreneurship, and to test your ideas and your visions as well. So tap into that one. 
So our last resource that I want to talk about today is from the Entrepreneurship Education Consortium, short for EEC, and it's Idea Labs. It's a great opportunity to tap into webinars. They're free. All you have to do is sign in on their website. They have great um, conversations around what's taking place in entrepreneurship and business development. You can tap into their resources at eecohio.org, but you do not have to be from Ohio to tap in. Um, they also have a really dope YouTube series around um, student entrepreneurs. So if you're a student or if you have young people that you're connected with, you can tap into that network as well. So that was a boatload of resources and tips, practices that we're going to be talking about every week on our Hustle Corner where hustle meets passion and purpose. The goal of our show, once again, is to spotlight minority, black, brown, and youth business owners and entrepreneurs. This week for our first episode, uh, we're talking me. We're talking about the work that I've done so you can get to know the host a little bit more. And then next week, we're going to turn it up with some amazing guests. Every week, I'll have a dope feature talking about hustle, their business, their entrepreneurial ventures, and all the things that they have going on as well. They're going to also be bringing tips and practices from their expertise to the platform. So this is going to be really dope to connect and learn more about other businesses, but also learn more about how you can take your business to the next level. So it's really important to, to tap into the network to learn more about um, the challenges, the gains, and everything in between as it relates to business and hustle. As I wrap up this episode, which is our first episode, I'm super excited to share with y'all. Um, I want to say thank you. Um, as we wrap up, it's important for me to honor the ones that have come before me and who's really gotten me here because I do practice what I preach when I talk about a support system. I'm talking from my experience. I know that um, it, it's a lot happening in our day-to-day -day lives and all, ar all around us. And we have to take the moments in time to really say thank you and be, be thankful for the folks around us who love us and support us. So I want to take a minute to just say thank you for the village that keeps rocking with me. Even in my craziest ideas and my wildest moments, they have rocked with me, um, especially my support system who continues to pray with me and, and for me continuously. Thank you for all of your support. And for those of you who've been supporting the Masa Ray platform over the last year and a half, thank you so much for rocking with us. And a special, special thank you to the FCB Radio Network, who I'm partnering with to bring this podcast to life. Um, the FCB Radio Network is one leading independent podcasters, producers of radio and podcast content targeting urban and multicultural audience. Duh, for me, it's a perfect mix, right? We spe they specialize in engaging and entertaining radio programs, spanning news, business, politics, entertainment, sports, religious programs, and, of course, business with our Hustle Corner. You can catch out more of their shows on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and other platforms. Thank you for believing in me. Special shout-out to Darvio, who is the CEO and owner of the company. Um, this is going to be a, a great venture and a great journey together. I also want to say thank you to all of our listeners and hustlers. Um, I love y'all and I rock with you guys fully and keep, keep moving forward in that. Um, hustle is a lot, but it's more about making money. It's about how does your purpose make you money? How do you sustain yourself from the passions and the God-gift talent um, that you were born with? So with that being said, you can personally follow me, Alicia Larray Ellis, on all social media platforms. That's Alicia L. Ellis on all social media platforms. If you want to learn more about the show um, and what I have going on with Moss Larray, you can follow us on IG and Facebook. That's Moss Larray at IG and Facebook. That's M-A-S-L-A-R-A-E. 
and also our website. If you visit our website, make sure you click that subscribe button. It's essential for you to get the updates, the news, talk about the cast, um, also the guests, the episodes, and all the news happening on Master Ray. Before I end this episode, um, I want to share this real quick tidbit um, that happened today um, that is just really ironic that it occurred um, on this day. So I woke up early this morning and in my morning meditation and preparing for today's episode, I wanted to take some notes down of what I wanted to talk about. And I thought it would be really challenging to talk about myself for 30 minutes, but it looked like I'm doing a pretty good job, if you ask me. Um, at the same time, as I was taking some notes, I wanted to I wanted to kind of trace back how I got here, which is why I shared about selling candy in the sixth grade and, and selling bus tickets. Um, and I wrote about my grandfather, who has been very instrumental in my life, especially at a very young age. And as I was writing about that this morning on my way out here this afternoon, I got a call that he passed away. And I don't think it it's ironic that I had him so heavy in my spirit this morning and I was writing about his influence in my life and you know what he's done for me and what he's done for, for our family. But essentially what I learned from him, even if he didn't have to sit down and tell me how to do things, I learned in silence and I learned from how he moved. And so I wanted to dedicate today's episode episode number one, get to know your host, to um, my Papa Nick, aka Motion, who's been um, an entrepreneur, a hustler, and I've learned so much about him and what he does. And now I value what it means to really do this type of work day in and day out. So I want to say thank you to him personally, and may he rest in paradise. And I know he's smiling down as we talk our hustle corner. With that being said, that's all for me today, folks. Um, special thank you to everyone tuning in. Stay courageous, stay blessed, and stay hustling. You have been tuned in to our Hustle Corner, where hustle meets passion and purpose. Peace out. Live and direct, it's success when we show up. Levels to this game, we put it down so we can go up. Our Hustle Corner, yeah, you should get to know us. Yeah, yeah, you should get to know us. Live and direct, it's success when we show up. Levels to this game, we put it down so we can go up. Our hustle corner, yeah. You should get to know us. Yeah, yeah, you should get to know us. When it's a million ways to die, a million ways to make it. Million dreams to have and only one life to take it. Million steps to go, one at a time is how we face it. When opportunity knocks, we answer no hesitation. The FCB Radio Network. First class broadcasting worldwide. I love your vacation home. How much time do you spend here? As much as we want. And when we're not using it, we rent it out. Our amazing team cares for and markets it on all the major booking sites. What team does all that? Vacasa. They manage everything, and I see it all on my phone. Plus, they've been earning us over 20% more after I switched from my last property manager. Your vacation home earned you that much? It's not a vacation home. It's a Vacasa home. Get your free vacation income estimate to see how much your vacation home can earn you. Call 800-544-0300 or visit vacasa.com. Hear that? That's the sound of someone trying to steal your crypto. Every day, thousands of hackers online are doing the same. That's why Arculus uses air-gapped cold storage technology to protect your assets. Using our keycard and wallet app to form a protective barrier, Arculus insulates you from hackers and puts control of your digital assets back in your hands. Order the first truly air-gapped crypto wallet at GetArculus.com.
If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.